1208. Jeff Wagner, WTNJ. So glad to have you with us. Eric Bilstadt, it happens once a year. It has happened for me today. What's that? I officially, there is some point in time in the year during the winter where I officially reached the point where I've had enough. <laughs> and, and, and that was today. This is, Feb, mark it down, February 12th. Some years it's mid-January, some years yeah. late February, some years I, I've, I've had enough. There, there's just no question about it. When I got up this morning, and yes, I saw the weather forecasters were accurate and saw all this snow in my driveway. And, and actually, the, the company that, that plows out our subdivision typically does a good job, but they had not gotten there yet. Mm. And so I'm kind of looking at this, and they hadn't gotten there, and they hadn't gotten there. So thankfully, my driveway, it... It slopes that the garage is kind of at the top of a little incline, so you kind of put it in reverse and go back and hope you can get through it. And I did. And um, I, I know our DOT cameras make it look like it's it's okay out there. I, I think the side roads are terrible. The side we're, roads we're, are a little rough. We're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna open up phone lines in a little bit. This was when I, I mean I came in. I left. You know, we kid Steve Scafidi about leaving at like really stupid hours in the morning. <laughs> but I mean, I, I give him credit. He's I mean he's concerned. He wants to get here. I left about nine o'clock this morning, and the the main roads were okay. But it was like I'm, I almost got stuck coming out of my subdivision, getting onto the the main road that I was going to take because the plows hadn't cleared the intersections. Mm -hmm. They kind of cleared the roadway, so you had this like two-foot snow wall that you had to go through. Yeah, but, which is almost impossible. Or t- trying to take like a left-hand turn if you need right. to get in that lane. I mean, you're it's you're done for. Right. No, There's it was no way. No, it was. And so we're we're actually going to devote a segment a little bit later on in this hour to that. But because I I will tell you, and I, like I say, I'm I'm the guy that says we do snow really well around here, and I, and I think we do. But this was one where the intensity of the snow, the amount of the snow, the timing of the snow, it was it was as bad at least where I live. It was as bad as I can remember. And long time so we will discuss that as we always do the first couple segments of the program we live stream on facebook live it's facebook.com slash 620 wtmj i i probably have to apologize in advance because typically my wife dresses me but uh today because of the snow i'm i'm wearing my <clears throat> warmest sweatshirt which is a packers super bowl sweatshirt from like seven years ago and you can't really see it but i've got my fleece lined blue jeans on you know they're they're warm they're they're kind of like you know grandpa blue jeans but they're warm so you know i i was going with that but you can check it all out it's facebook.com slash 620 wtmj in addition as i always remind you if you follow me on twitter you kind of get a head start on some of the things that we're talking about in the given day and number of new twitter postings since we last spoke it's at jeff wagner 620 let us get started now last night president trump had had a rally in el paso texas and one of the things that happened it was kind of a sidelight but one of the things that happened is you had a, a, a an overly aggressive Trump supporter who got into a physical altercation with a cameraman from the BBC. Now, if you follow the rallies that President Trump has, you know that the the media is a frequent whipping boy of of the president. And you'll have people that will, he'll call out members of the media or he'll call out the press corps and people will turn around and they'll boo him and they'll shout fake news and all that type of, of stuff. And, you know, last night you had this physical confrontation. People were separated, so nobody got hurt. And, and under no circumstances or no situation is, is it appropriate, I, I think, for somebody to, to get physical. I mean, to, you know, 
to, to actually, you know, try to punch out somebody of the media. That's just ridiculous. You need to act like grown-ups when it comes to that. At the same time, I, I do think that some of the criticism that is launched at reporters, members of the mainstream media, I, I think it, it's fair. I, I, I just I just do. My comment has always been if you don't want to get accused of, you know, promulgating fake news, then then stop putting out fake news. And I think there has been an agenda to try to undermine the Trump administration. And I think it's based in, in part because of the political beliefs of some of the reporters. And in part, it's based on you know, finances. I mean, the New York Times is one of the few media outlets. Their digital subscriptions are up by hundreds of thousands. Why? Well, it's anti-Trump folks. It's the MSNBC folks who are making digital subscriptions. They want to read bad stuff about the president. And so that's what I think the New York Times is doing. They're slanting their coverage to to sell newspapers. Nothing wrong with that. But it's it's this mix between business and, and journalism. All right. So I, I understand where the fake news things come from. Under no circumstances do I condone violence towards the members of the media or anything like that. But at the same time, that we do live in this country where there is this thing called the First Amendment, which provides freedom of the press, and it also provides freedom of speech. And anybody who works in the media, whether it's print media or electronic media, we do our jobs under the umbrella of that First Amendment. So here's here's the story. Bloomingdale's, you know, big big department store. Bloomingdale's was selling a T-shirt. The T-shirt, and by the way, again, if you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 um, WTMJ. It's at Jeff Wagner 620, you don't need a WTMJ. I, I sent out a tweet with an, an illustration of of this shirt. It's a It's a T-shirt. And on the T-shirt, it says fake news. That, that's what it says. It doesn't say anything beyond fake news. It doesn't show a caricature of a newspaper reporter with a noose around their neck or anything like that. It just says fake news. All right? So they're selling this. What happens is there is a reporter for a news outlet in, in New York, um, White Plains, New York, who happens to be shopping at Bloomingdale's. And they see this this T-shirt that they are selling that says fake news on it. And the reporter, now reporters are noticeably thin-skinned. The reporter gets upset, takes to Twitter. Hey, Bloomingdale's, this isn't funny or fashionable. It further delegitimizes hardworking journalists who bring real news to their communities. How dare you sell a shirt that says fake news? All right, into that... Then wades the, the trade organization. It's called RTDNA. Matter of fact, the guy that heads it used to work here as an assistant news director, Dan Shelley. He sends out a tweet. We at RTDNA urge Bloomingdale's to stop selling these T-shirts, which spread a narrative that has come to exacerbate a negative and harmful message about hardworking journalists who desire nothing more than to serve the public by seeking and reporting the truth. Hashtag not fake news. So the industry organization saying, well, we, Blooming does. You should stop selling these T-shirts that says fake news. And after a couple of these tweets, Bloomingdale's then decides, you know what? 
we're we're we don't want to upset these members of the media. So, yeah, we're taking them off the air. Here's what they say. It was recently brought to our attention that we were offering a T-shirt in a few of our stores that was offensive to some. We appreciate the feedback. Take it very seriously. The item was immediately removed from our selling floor, and we apologize to anyone who found this T-shirt distressing. So, I mean, here's the ultimate irony of this entire thing. You have reporters, members of the media, who make their living under the umbrella of the First Amendment, who are now upset that somebody else might choose to exercise their First Amendment rights by wearing a T-shirt that says fake news. And again, nothing nothing more. It says fake news. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it is absurd that Bloomingdale's caved and decided that they were going to remove this shirt. Maybe you agree with the fake news narrative. Maybe you disagree with it. That is your right. But have we now gotten to a point where political correctness is so run amok that you can't even manufacture and sell a shirt that says fake news? And what does it say about members of the media, journalists, that they can't, apparently, they are so thin-skinned that they can't tolerate a shirt that says fake news. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should Bloomingdale's have pulled this shirt? We discuss in just a moment, once again, live streaming. It's facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. And if you want to see what the shirt actually looks like, although there's not that much to it, uh, follow me. It's at Jeff. It's Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. All right, 414-799-1620. All right, is this an offensive T-shirt? Should this shirt have been pulled? Or is this one where you simply say, you know what? You know, here, here's the bottom line, snowflakes. You know, you, you dish it out. You need to be able to take it. And, and this is a pretty benign thing. 414-799-1620. I say shame on Bloomingdale's for pulling this shirt. Maybe you agree with it. Maybe you don't. But should people really not have a right to buy it? We discuss in just a minute. It's 1217. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Once again, we're live streaming Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. I mean, and, and here, here's the deal. Bloomingdale's is selling a T-shirt. It says fake news on it. That's all it says. It doesn't have, you know, uh, a journalist with a noose around her neck or whatever. Well, anyhow, some thin-skinned reporter sees it in the sees it and just just gets all upset. Well, I can't believe that you are selling this. This is terrible. The industry organization then wades in, saying, "We demand that Bloomingdale's pull this." Without understanding the irony that people who make their living under the umbrella of the First Amendment, you know, maybe they, they should support the idea of freedom of speech. Well, then Bloomingdale's caves. Oh, we don't want anybody to find it offensive. And you've got these snowflake reporters who don't like people saying fake news. And yes, we're going to pull it. and We apologize. I say nuts to that. 414-799-1620. Let's see on our Facebook comments. Um, offensive to some. It's offensive to me that I don't have a choice of wearing the shirt. 
Yeah, well, that's that's see, that's what kind of the First Amendment is all about. Now, I understand you can cross the line, but apparently you have snowflakes in the media that are so upset that they can't even tolerate the term fake news. Oh, we need to go into one of our quiet rooms. We need to have the safe space because somebody might disagree with the way they do the job. And to me, again, this isn't about whether you think the media is biased or not. To me, this is the ultimate First Amendment issue. Should somebody have the right to wear a shirt like that that expresses their opinion and what about members of the media who now are so thin-skinned that they want to quash other people's rights to express themselves let's talk to danny in west Dallas. danny you're in wtmj hey jeff hi danny um all i can say is is you know i i don't feel comfortable listening to you anymore because you're you're going ahead and you're you're reporting about this that, that's about as much as this thing <laughs> Well, well, right. It's the political correctness. Oh, I can't believe that people. I, I, I'm just offended by this idea and this concept. Now, thanks for calling. See, that's that. That's the whole idea. Look, and that's why I started this conversation by saying you can carry this too far. I mean, that the confrontations, like I say, last night, some guy got, tried to get physical with a BBC reporter at the Trump rally. That that's clearly out of line. But can we not express ourselves anymore? And what does it say about a news media that is such a group of snowflakes? That they can't even stand this. Oh, people that wear this fake news stuff, you know, they're they're calling out our ability to do the job and they're insulting hardworking journalists, et cetera, et cetera. Well, oh, all right. Well, maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. But but don't you have a right to express yourself? Uh, let's go to the text line. And our number, 414-799-1620. Jeff, this goes to show that we have elite-minded people that feel threatened. And whenever they get some pushback from the little people um yeah that that's it how dare how dare the great unwashed those trump supporters might even want to express this particular opinion and again like i said i don't care whether you think they're right or wrong it's i mean it's a t-shirt for goodness sakes and you have you have reporters you have these so-called journalists who are now so upset and so thin-skinned that anybody would dare to express this Todd writes, uh, Jeff, media is thin-skinned for sure. Doing something like this shows how self-conscious they are. If they have nothing to worry about, why get all upset? If you're confident in your profession, the job you do, you don't worry about what others say. Your work or lack thereof will speak for itself. Um, yeah, yeah. Now somebody else texts, this is basically a Trump shirt. Well, okay. That, that that might be, but, I mean, is this now, if that's the case, is this now going to be the standard that the media says, well, I don't think that people should be able to distribute Trump shirts. 414-799-1620. David in Green Bay. David, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, um, I just don't understand. I mean, these, these T-shirt companies, whoever manufactures, they're obviously looking for a hot ticket item that's going to sell quick, going to get a lot of people to buy it. It could be taken non-politically just as well. There's a lot of T-shirts that have a political or sexist undertone that can be taken in many different ways. So I guess I don't see the big deal if they can make a buck off of it. Good for them. Well, right, and, and and by the way, and I don't. This isn't a T-shirt that has double entendres. This isn't a T-shirt that has sexist or racist overtones. This is clearly a T-shirt marketed for I don't know people who who perhaps have a particular perspective. But if you're if you're a reporter or you're a TV personality, shouldn't you be able to to take it? I mean, should you be so thin-skinned that somebody says, "Oh, you're wearing a t- you're wearing a fake news T-shirt"? Oh my 
gosh, you know, you, you need to go to therapy because somebody thinks that you're prom- promulgating fake news. seems to me you should be tougher than that. At this point, it just seems like a, an old phrase. I mean, it's not like it's a brand-new phrase that all of a sudden people can get offended over. It's been around for at least a couple of years. So at, at this point, I think people understand what it means and what it's about. It's not something, a new concept. Yeah, well, right, 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 exactly. And at the end of the day, it, it's a shirt. Peter sends me a text. You know something is fake news and fake this, and you know there's a lot more people out there that take fake news. Everybody has a right to say what they like as long as it's not threatening somebody. You know, people have got to stop being so soft-skinned on anything. Well, I mean, that that's exactly right. If this T-shirt were, were threatening, if this T-shirt were promulgating violence, I would have a different perspective on it. But this is, this is just this idea of fake news. And you have the mainstream media that is now so uncomfortable with this whole concept that how, how dare anybody, anybody say that and anybody challenge us? Well, the reality is that, that, that is, that is what, what's out there. And again, I, in taking this, I take no position on, on the job that the mainstream media does or whether, you know, President and Trump has decided for his own purposes to villainize members of the mainstream media because to tell you the honest truth, the the truth is in between. It, It really is. There, in my opinion, there are reporters who loathe President Trump and who have an agenda and they are out there promulgating that agenda. Then there's a lot of other reporters who are just trying to do their jobs, and, and they're they're calling them like they see it. So I mean, it, it's like anything; it's a it's a mixed bag. But do we really, or or should we have people saying, "Well, all right, that you can't even wear this anymore because certain members of the media are offended by it"? I mean, bottom line is Wagner's rule of life number one: life is tough. Get a helmet. All right, thanks for participating. The segment's going to be up. It's facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. When we come back, it is a story that is affecting each and every one of us in the immediate listening area today. Stick around. 1227, Jeff Wagner. It's 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, the Milwaukee Brewers 2019 championship season right around the corner. This weekend is your first chance to secure your spot at Miller Park. It is the annual Arctic Tailgate, which gives fans a chance to purchase single-game tickets for the first time. WTMJ will be there all weekend for a big tailgater studio, which is I call the big talking box. Come by, say hello. Don't forget, WTMJ is your home for Brewers baseball. If you are a regular listener, you know that I'm one of these people who I actually think we do snow really well around here. I, I think we do a great job of cleaning up the roads. And I am always amazed by even during and then in the immediate aftermath of big snowstorms, how, how quickly we are able to clean up the roads. Now, having said that, and this, by the way, is not a, a complaint. The roads this morning for me were about as bad as I can ever remember them being. The main road. I live in Ozaki County. Once I was able to get on one of the main roads, it was fine. My subdivision hadn't been plowed out, and the plows that had cleared the main roads hadn't gotten a chance to do intersect the intersection. So essentially to make a right turn onto the main road that I needed to access to come down to the studio, I, I had to go through a like two-and-a-half-foot snow drift to get onto the road. And once I got onto the road, it, it was fine. There was kind of a lane that was semi-cleared. My biggest problem was, again, whenever you'd have to divert onto a side street or alternatively, as I was traveling, the speed limit was 40. I think about 30 was the safe level. 
I and several other cars, we were behind this this elderly lady, God bless her, who was going 15. And the problem is that was too slow to get traction. So people were spinning out because I'm not saying that she should have been going 60, but she was going 15, and that was making it a hazard. But I, I, I got in here. We have been here at our Capital Drive studio, and we've got some big windows that look on the outside, and we've been watching car after car after car get stuck, again, in, in intersections trying to turn onto Capital Drive. And, and this isn't a complaint about the degree of the ability of the people to remove snow and all. It's just we got a lot of snow. We got it at a bad time. It continued to snow. Right now it looks like there's a little bit of, of a gap. But for me, it was pretty bad. Now, I, I know we've been looking at our DOT cameras, and I'm looking at these cameras in the studio, and it, it looks like traffic is, is moving on the freeway. My sense has been it might be okay on the freeway, but the side roads are, are strike me, they were certainly awful when I was coming in. Now, one of my teammates, one of my colleagues, Debbie Lazica, she does traffic in both the morning and the afternoon, and she's one of the hardest working people in radio because she does a split shift. She comes in, works really early in the morning, and then goes home or goes wherever, and then comes back in, in the afternoon. So you can imagine my surprise when I looked up a few minutes ago and saw Debbie Lazica, who normally doesn't come back for a few hours. Now, Debbie, I, I'm delighted to have you, you. in the studio <laughs> But why are you back here so early? <laughs> question. That's a $50 million question. Well, um, it, it was an interesting uh, little ride, I would say. I uh, headed home. I tried to head home. Um, and the the side roads, you know, along Capitol Drive, Appleton, all those, relatively well plowed out. You got pavement, wet pavement, but you got pavement. Um, and then I tried to turn off into the subdivision where I live, and... Uh, the, ba- the only way I can describe it is it was impassable, mm-hmm. completely impassable. If the plows had gone through there, unfortunately, it had to have been really early in the morning, and they didn't, haven't gotten back to it. Right. There was at least three or four cars on my way in towards my house that were stuck in the street, not at a corner, not at an intersection. In the middle of the street. In the street. middle of the street. Um, I slowed down, ended up getting stuck as well. I got stuck like maybe three or four times. Ended up plowing all the way through and getting back to one of the streets. My husband is trying to plow out our our driveway and, and our parking slab. And I pull up and he looks at me like a drowned puppy. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I'm so tired. I said, okay, I'm not going to pull him there because he's still working. And I just texted him. I pulled over, texted Love him. Love you, hon. <laughs> Love you, honey. You're doing a great job. I'm heading back to work because I think Otherwise, I'll get stuck at home, which isn't the worst thing in the world, except for the fact it's, that I need to come back You have here. a job that needs yeah, to be there. So, exactly. I mean, your experience was okay, and just kind of okay on the some of the main roads, but mm-hmm. the side roads, your word was impassable. Yeah. R- r- literally, I would say probably about 8 to 10 inches of snow, either that had piled up or that had just grown you know, to right. that depth. But I felt so bad for a lot of the people that were just plain old stuck in the middle of the road. Well, I mean, I almost got stuck this morning. And again, it was, and this, this isn't a criticism. It was just, it was like a, a giant snow wall. Because what mm-hmm. had happened is the snow plow had come along and it plowed out the main drive, the main drag that I was going to try to turn onto. But they hadn't cleared out the, the intersection. So I have to make this right turn. So I'm at a stop sign and there is a, a little mountain of snow, at least a couple feet tall. Oh, yeah. And I try to go through it. I've got a four wheel drive vehicle. I try to go through it and then the wheels start spinning and, I was able to back up and then 
get a running start exactly. and kind of you know go through it and then kind of slide out. But um, road conditions are still bad, at least off the main. Yeah, roads. off the main roads. I get I get what the plows are trying to do. Sure. What they'll end up doing is they'll get one main lane down. Like even if it's a two lane road, they'll try and get something cleared to get the traffic rolling through there, and then they'll come back and make another swing later on. Well, I think the way that the snow came down was so much that it just kept piling up right and unfortunately people have got to move around and they're moving their cars around it's not helping things either it's moving the snow around as well so i'm i feel for the the plow right. drivers i feel for the people drive i feel for me well <laughs> no well, well exactly well like i said we were watching these people from afar mm-hmm. who were just just stuck trying to get onto capitol drive to the point that it, it we're not really we're, we're kind of there but and it was interesting because like nobody was getting there was one woman we were watching this morning and she was stuck and all these other cars were stuck behind her nobody was getting out and helping her push to yeah. the point that we were saying okay should we all put on our coats and you know walk over to that corner which would have been a nasty long walk and mm-hmm. and ultimately she was able to navigate it but you're going to be around all afternoon to help I people get be. home i'm gonna i'm gonna go eat my pizza maybe take grab a nap and then good <laughs> be right enough. back here good enough debbie thanks for joining us all right i want to open up the phone lines and, and we do this occasionally when we have these weather events. And by the way, I want to start off this by saying this is not intended as a criticism of the people who are out there trying to get the roads clear. That That is not this. I understand that, you know, we had a lot of snow. It came down consistently. It hit at kind of a bad time because it continued through the morning rush. And I, I think that there's a lot of people out there who are just still struggling. So 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll devote maybe a segment to this because this is a common experience that almost all of us here, except some of the people who are texting me from Florida, end up going through. All right, what are you seeing where you are? How bad has this been? Have there been dramatic improvements over the course of the last couple hours? What are you experiencing? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, call if you're out and about on the roadways. Only, please, only call if, you know, you can do it safely. But what are you experiencing? Like I say, if we look at our traffic cameras, the the freeway system looks clear and looks like cars moving very, very, you know, just moving fine on it. My sense is there's more to the story than that. All right, we're back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve forty-five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Justin Tex. One positive thing is that the temperature is warm enough so that any areas that are plowed and salted are bare and wet. And that's true. It's 31 degrees outside. And by the way, we're not going to get another one of these polar vortex. It's not going to like it's going to be 20 below zero. So that's all good news. Anyways, he continues, remaining problems I've observed, side streets not yet plowed, and in particular, plow mounds at side street intersections. Yeah, that's what I ran into, these walls that you have to try to get through, and you have to kind of time it, like I'm going to have to make a running start to get through this, but I've got traffic coming onto the main thoroughfare, so i got to get through while the light turns green. 414-799-1620. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, and I'm I'm just saying the uh, plowing of the uh, main drags is great if you can get to them. Right. But I live in a neighborhood with side streets, and you can't get to the main drag. <laughs> and if you get to the main drag, you're talking about the mound, the mound things. Right. Uh, that's absolutely right. You know, you have to gun it to get through them. And 
kind of time it so you don't hit anybody. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and and thanks, Scott. I mean, and again, I, I understand they're doing the best they can. So th- this is not this is not this indictment. This is not oh the, the snow plows are terrible. It's that you know right now Mother Nature is winning the battle. Here's what Kim says. She says Jeff. No side neighborhood roads have been touched on the north side of Milwaukee. Getting three blocks out of my neighborhood to a plowed road took an hour. Five cars stuck within three blocks. Um, yes. Here's another text. My morning was summed up by a statement you made. I got stuck because the person in front of me was going too slow. I get that you shouldn't be driving fast, but the slower you go, the more likely you are to get stuck or cause someone behind you to get stuck. Don't drive 60, but don't drive 15 miles an hour either. Yeah, that... That was my experience, because once I got to the main road, I'm going fine. And again, it, it's snow-covered. you got to be careful. The speed limit was 40, and I wouldn't have wanted to be going 40. But 30 was comfortable. That was the speed of traffic. And then there was this little driver, and she was driving behind it, and she was going 15 miles an hour. And the problem was there wasn't enough momentum, and people were spinning out, and you're going through this intersection, and you need a little bit of momentum to get through these intersections. And it was kind of like, lady, you just pick it up just a little bit. I don't want you to be past your comfort zone, but you, you can't. You can't go 10 or 15 miles an hour either. 414-799-1620. Dave in Caledonia. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I worked third shift last night in Oak Creek, and however, it was just a train wreck this morning. I'm literally on the same spot I was five hours ago now, and it's a nine-day difference. It's, it's just wet with a few scattered slushy spots, but I was in Caledonia, Cudahy, South Milwaukee. Uh, had a doctor's visit late, a couple of minutes ago, and uh, the roads are much better. The side roads, though, they're plowed, but they're slippery. Yeah. Uh, so you just got to take it easy on the side roads. But yeah, everything else is, it's, it's, at least on this side of town is great. The, the sun came out for a little bit in Caledonia and that, that little bit of sun helped melt it because it's, it's getting up and the angle is higher in the sky now. That, that and, sounds uh, like a song. The sun will come out in Caledonia, right? <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I think, and, and we get this all around. I think this is one of these storms where it, it's worse to the north. Like, I, I live to the north of Milwaukee, and you know, uh-huh. and they're, they're saying, okay, maybe six inches. Well, I, I, I probably had eight or nine inches of snow in my driveway that this, you know, this morning. So I think maybe it's a little bit better on the south side this time than it is on the north side or, or in Ozaki County or, or in Washington County or something like that. Definitely, definitely. Well, good. Well, I'm glad that's the nice. sun is coming out. No, thanks. Let's see. And that, look, that, that, I, I want this to be good. Don't, don't get me wrong because, you know, in, in two and a half hours or so, i got to get back out on the road and, and, and go home and all. And, and I do think it's one of these deals where the, the timing of this just ended up being particularly bad. The it just snowing all night, hitting rush hour, and the duration when it's the duration and when it's the amount of snow. I've seen they've continued the warning to what like three a.m. tonight or something like that. So I mean, it's this is a long duration type of thing. Peter in New Berlin. Peter, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, like I told your screener, I've been on the road since five oh five this morning. Went out at four thirty and cleaned my car off. We had nine inches on my car, and I'm on the south side of Milwaukee. Wow. Um, but the roads now, the main roads are really good. I hope the guy get out of the, uh, for spinning around the Barker Road and Highway 18 on ramp to 94 East. But the side roads, like Debbie said, they stink. I, <laughs> nothing on the south side has been, uh, plowed yet in, yeah. uh, side streets. Yeah. I've been to Ber- New Berlin, uh, Brookfield, Hartwin, Hartford, and everything's good in the main roads except the side streets. The side streets just are not, 
right. passable. Well, uh, thanks for calling. Now, again, it, I'm, see, I, my, one of my New Year's resolutions is I'm trying to be the glasses half full guy. And, and one of those is, I, again, I'm looking at the temperature now. Unlike, was it last week or, or two weeks ago, I guess, when you had, we had all that snow and then it was followed by the 20 degree below, you know, air temperature and 50 degree below wind chills or whatever stupid numbers we were getting out of it at time. At least in this particular case, it's going to get a little colder, but only a little bit colder. I mean, you're not looking at this 20 below sort of thing. So my guess is, you're going to be in a situation where, number one, salt is going to continue to work once they get the roads cleared, and it's not going to immediately turn to ice. They will be able to move the snow, and they will be able to get it cleared. Having said all that, I go back to where I was in the beginning of this conversation. I am officially declaring February 12th to be the day that that I am done with winter. Now, I understand that that winter isn't done with me, but I, I am... I am done with winter. Jeff, this is, uh, I'm calling from New Berlin. A lot of people calling from New Berlin. I left to get to work at 4.30. I have a truck, and it was such a blast to be able to drive it on all the unplowed roads and really test out the four-wheel drive. Um, yeah, here's another one. I'm in New Berlin, and it's really good. I work in an industrial park and had no problems getting in this morning. Hats off to the plow drivers. Yeah, I mean, everybody does a a great job with that. I think it sounds like it's a little bit better on the south side than it is, again, as you move further north. Bottom line is we will continue to keep you updated on road conditions all afternoon. Uh, looks like a little bit of break in the snow as I'm watching the radar right now. Maybe a little bit more coming on later. I think the worst of this is through, and we in Wisconsin are, are hardy people. But eh, today was a challenge, no question about it. 12.52, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, if you had plans to go to dinner tonight, would you go? I would. Yeah, me too. I, as a matter of fact, I, we do have plans. Now, Downtown? No, no, no. It's it's clo- relatively close to okay. home. So, okay. I mean, it's not. No, I. But, but I mean, I, I always. I kind of always cringe because, again, my wife was in the hospitality industry. And I, I know, I mean, people in restaurants and stuff, they just hate it when we talk about yeah, you know yeah. road conditions and stuff and it's always that balancing act you don't want to scare people but at the same time you want to let people know you know right. what's what's going on but yeah my, my guess is that, that this is going to be pretty much handled unless we get one with another five or six inches which we're not supposed to no my guess is it'll be you know handled by this evening what's interesting though is that they did uh, extend the winter storm warning and now it goes until right. 3 a.m and i think mainly that's for visibility issues because they have strong wind gusts expected throughout the evening and into tonight so maybe that would blow some snow around right. it's still going to be falling so yeah I, I expected the opposite i thought we would wind down quicker but at least right. the warning has been right. extended and, and again the, the good news because i'm that kind of guy yeah. i mean it, it's 31 degrees outside so i mean the, the road salt and stuff that they're putting down yep. works yep. and you know again if they're talking about 30 mile an hour winds that's especially on some of the outlying roads i've told the story before the only time i ever put a car in a ditch was in a ground blizzard i was going down a, a actually it was an interstate highway and there wasn't that much snow on the ground but it was being whipped around by 30 and 40 mile an hour winds and it was dark and you just couldn't Can't see, see it yeah. was just really yeah. spooky i was following a truck and the truck drove i figured that truck knows what he's doing the guy he's he's up higher truck drove into a ditch I followed him right into the ditch, oh, you know, and then you're out there looking and it's, it's like, it's not that much snow on the ground, but you just, you just flat out couldn't see. Right, right, right. So no, I, a matter of fact, we, my friend and I, we do have plans with some friends for dinner tonight. So I, at least as far as I know, that is still on. Excellent. So, well, we'll enjoy. We'll, absolutely. Bring oh. me back a little something. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Got it. Okay. I, uh, there is a, 
a, a style. Gru is producing the show today always. You, you know, there's a style, the bright red lipstick, you know, do you, you know, like, like the really bright red lipstick that women wear. Do, do you like that, that particular style with the big red lips? It's all right at certain times. Eric, do you want to weigh in on that? You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's in style, in fashion, the really bright red lipstick. Sure, I agree with Kyle. Occasionally, it's fine. Occasionally, it's fine. Okay, I'm not a big fan of that. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not for whatever reason. But the, you know, it's been around forever and ever. I was thinking, this, this is going back for for some of you who might be familiar with the the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show starts out. And it, it's in the dark, and there's this pair of bright red lips who is singing, like, the first song, Michael, Michael Reddy was ill the day the earth stood still, etc. And then it kind of pulls back, and you realize that it's a face that's singing it. But you just see these you see these bright red lips, and you see the, the, the white teeth. And it, it's, you know, it's all for that type of style. But it is, it's that, it's that bright lipstick, which is, in fact, a, a style choice that people make. Well, why do I bring this up? Because this is the latest example of the blackface controversy. Now, I, I sent out a link to this story, and you can follow me. It's at Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 and it involves the performer, Katy Perry. Now, now here's the background of the story. And again, I, I've sent links to what these things, what these shoes. We are now talking about shoes. But I've sent a link to, you can see a picture of what they look like, but I will try to describe them. Two years ago, Katy Perry, you know, and they, they have all sorts of, they have Katy Perry clothing lines. These were, you know, these stars do this type of stuff. So two years ago, Katy Perry came out with a group of, of women's shoes. Some were sandals. And some were just like the, these one-piece, I don't know, kind of slipperish type of looking shoes. They've been being sold for the last couple of years. Walmart had them. Dillard's had them. They, they've been sold for a couple of of years. Some are called, one's called, let's see, the Rue Face Slip-On Loafers. And then there's the high-heeled counterpart, the Aura Face Block Heel Sandal. Right? These come in multiple colors. Right? They, there's so there's like nine different variations, and they come in various styles. Let me try to describe these shoes for you. And I'll need uh, the slip-on loafers. I'm, I'm looking at a pair of them. the The shoes have have two eyes on them. They have a, a nose. And they have red lips on them, kind of right by the toes. So if you look down on, on these shoes, they kind of look like they have a have a face. All right. And again, the, these come in multiple colors. Um, they come in beige. They come in red. They come in all sorts of colors. The the sandals are the same sort of thing. They're the the sandals on the strap that you wear, you know, to, to attach them to your foot, they've got like two eyes, and then they've got a little nose, and then they've got lips. In all cases, it doesn't matter what the color of the shoes are, the lips are the, those like little bright red lips. All right, that's all the different colors. That's how they appear. They're the bright red lips. And this is kind of a it it's a it, it's a fashion statement. Now I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I find them to be particularly appealing or anything like that. But all right, you know, to each their own. So they've been selling the, this Katy Perry line of shoes now for a couple years. And and again, the shoes 
they, they have a face on them. Two, it doesn't matter whether you get the loafers or whether you get the, the sandals. The, the strap, in the case of the sandals, has these two things that are eyes, and it's got what appears to be a little nose, and then they've got the red lips. They've been selling these for a couple years. So, Jeff, why are we talking about Katy Perry shoes on your program? Well, this is the latest example of the blackface controversy. Now, these sandals come in various colors. Beige, brown, one of the sets of shoes, both the sandals and the and the slip on the slip ons, they come in black. All right, they're they're black shoes, and they have again the the two little pieces that are made to represent eyes, and they've got the red lips. Well, here is the story. Eh, CNN is one of many people reporting it. First, it was Prada, then Gucci. Now, Katy Perry is being called out for creating fashion that evokes, wait for it, blackface. The singer's namesake brand faces criticism over two styles of shoes that some say feature racist imagery. CNN has reached out to Perry for comment. Perry debuted her line of whimsical shoes in 2017. They're available on her website and through multiple... Um, multiple different websites. The shoes in both styles include protruding eyes, nose, and full red lips. They were released in nine colors last summer. They were envisioned as a nod to modern art and surrealism. However, now people looking through the website have decided, well, th- this is this is blackface. Th- this is don't you see that that's a a that shoe is black and they've got the bright red lips. Oh, my goodness, you can't sell this anymore. And so now, again, you have the aggrieved that has filed the complaint. And now Walmart, Dillard's, and other websites are scrubbing their websites of these particular shoes. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I ask this question seriously. Can we now definitively say that these various blackface controversies have officially jumped the shark i mean i i understand the implications of blackface i understand the concerns that people have when you have prominent figures who dressed you know in in a derogatory fashion but now you have a pair of shoes that they're black shoes they're also beige shoes they're also brown shoes but the black shoes have red lips on them have we now reached the point where we can't sell shoes anymore because somebody's going to interpret this as being well racist 414-799-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line to me i understand the legitimacy between concerns about blackface and all but it seems to me that now you have people that are actively searching the internet hunting for things that they can be offended about. And I think I could look, I could care less whether somebody buys these Katy Perry shoes. To me, they're overpriced shoes, nothing more. Who could really see racism in these shoes? 414-799-1620. Have we now jumped the shark when it comes to this blackface controversy? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 118. This is Jeff Wagner. 
121, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Actually, one of our texters nails it in one. Says, you know, the, those lips that are on these Katy Perry shoes you're talking about, it looks like Mr. Potato Head. That, that's exactly, you know, the like the old Mr. Potato Head, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, you'd have those giant lips that you'd put on. That That's kind of what these these look like. They're big red lips. If you're just tuning in, okay, Katy Perry, the, the, the performer, she's had this line of shoes that has been out for a couple years, and the shoes have, have like, faces on them. <laughs> there's, like, two eyes, and there's what appears to be a nose, and there's bright red lips, all right? Well, somebody has now taken to looking at the, the black shoes. Now, they're in all different colors, but they've got black shoes and saying, oh, black shoes, and it's got these bright red lips. Oh, my goodness, this is racist. This is blackface. You've got to take them down. And a handful of complaints, and then, of course, you get the social media thing that explodes, and now, yes, they are removing the shoes. I think we can officially declare that the controversies over blackface, many of which are legitimate, have now jumped the shark. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, let's see. So, what are people going to complain again about next? Um, white sneakers? Or are those racist shoes? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tommy and Slinger. Tommy, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, uh, I really uh, enjoy your program. Thanks, sir. And uh, I listen to it every day. So. Thank you. I appreciate that I'm, very much. I'm driving down the road, and I'm listening to you describe what these shoes look like, and I'm trying to picture it in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I've got, I see the eyes, and I see the smile, and I see the black shoe, and I think, and I see it in my mind, and I'm looking down the road, and I see all these cars that kind of with headlights that resemble eyes and a grill on the front that resembles a mouth, and it's a black car. And I think to myself, I, well, there's a, a car... Has black face. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you start with shoes, I mean, yeah. where does it end? Well, right. I mean, because because sometimes it just is what it is. Okay, th- this is her style. Th- these shoes are made to look like they have various faces. The one trademark is these bright red lips on all the different shoes. But because you put them on a pair of black shoes, okay, you're being racist. It's okay on the pair of beige shoes. It, I mean, look, I, I say this all the time, Tommy. You know, there's real racism in this world. But we, th- this is, we, we've just. This is like knee deep and stupid. I'm I'm sorry. That's just exactly what it is when you're saying, okay, these shoes are racist. Right. I, I shake my head in agreement because it's sad because there is yep. legitimate racism out there, but situations like this almost right. Ill- it, it makes no right. But, the fact that real racism is out there, it, right? It needs to be condemned. Thanks for call. And and real issues with regard to to blackface. I mean, I I I get it. I mean, I understand. I mean, I think if if the Virginia governor goes to some party, even if it's 1984, and he's dressed in blackface and he's accompanied by somebody who's wearing a KKK hood, it, you know, maybe there's an issue as to is there a statute of limitations on bad behavior. But it's fair to say, what exactly was this person thinking? But you know, we we talked last week about. The, the 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 other thing involved that there was the balaclavas. Those are they're 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 sort of like ski masks, you know, that that you pull over. We 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 did a, a segment on on this this balaclava sweater that you would would pull up. It was a turtleneck sweater that you'd pull up, and it was one of these designer things where they had again they had they had lips that you know where your mouth would shine through, and they had lips. It was a it was a woman's sweater, and it was meant to emphasize lipstick or something and, and people went absolutely nuts over the black sweater and the lips oh this is blackface well it wasn't intended to be blackface and i don't think any reasonable person would have seen it as blackface but yet again you have the perpetually offended and the politically correct that decide that they're going to you know wave you know wade in on this let's go to our text line um 
Let's see. Any depiction of it is unacceptable. You're not in a position to tell people what to be offended by. No, I am in a position. You know, at, at some point in time, look, I, I mean, I can't control what people are offended by, but I can control at least what whether that offense is reasonable or not. And this is just it's kooky if you want to look at these particular shoes and say, well, okay, I, I, I see racism in, in that. I mean, we, we when did we get to a point where we're going to cater to the most unreasonable, most outlandish, most ridiculous interpretation of something? Um, let's see. I'm glad I, people are saying, I'm glad I bought my, um, you know, black shoes when I had an opportunity to you. Another text, makes you wonder about the thoughts of people who see racism in anything. Perhaps they are the real racists and they just don't see it. Oh, my goodness. What are people going to complain about next? Black and white sneakers? Are those racist? Well, this is the whole idea of this. It's here's somebody else who says, um, it's just it's just dumb. Yeah. It, right, again, at a certain point. I think you have to take a kind of step back and say, okay, ha- have we now jumped the shark on, on this issue? And I understand that there's people out there, including some people who text me, who say, well, you don't understand. If anybody is offended by anything, then what we have to do is we have to change stuff. You know, we, they should not be subjected to that. To which my response is, all right, don't buy the shoes. <laughs> you know, if, if you look at that and see, oh my gosh, I'm offended by that, fine, don't buy the shoes. But instead, it's, oh, I'm going to complain about this. And because you have all these stores and these designers and everybody, just last thing you want to do is be labeled as racist, no matter how ridiculous the challenge would be. You say, okay, we're going to pull them. Now, I could care less whether anybody buys these Katy Perry shoes or not. That is not the point. It is the point that you now have in this case, and it happens with almost every one of these issues. It starts out with legitimate concerns. And then it kind of just spins into silliness as people start to see racism where none exists. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you want to see the shoes yourself, again, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner, 620 on Twitter. One thirty-five WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. It is official. Under the new governor taxing Tony Evers, Wisconsin no longer open for business. This is it's a little story, but I think it's indicative of a lot. You will remember when Governor Walker was first elected. One of the things they did is they put up a series of signs by the state line and at various places in the in the state saying that Wisconsin is open for business. You know the idea is saying we want to bring we want to bring businesses in, we want job development, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, apparently Wisconsin is no longer open for business. Journal Sentinel is reporting that the Evers administration has said that all these signs, well, we're open for business. They're going to pull them all down. And what they're going to do is they are going to repurpose them. They're going to cut them in half and they're going to turn them into like detour signs and things like that. It's like, oh, heaven. Well, and and they're saying, well, this is environmentally sensitive. We're not wasting any sort of products at all. Well, again, I, I think it's more symbolism than anything else. And again, I think it shows. One of the differences we're going to see in Wisconsin over the next couple of years that we go from a governor who's all about trying to create jobs and trying to bring businesses into the state uh, to a governor who's all about, I don't know, spending more taxpayer money and borrowing more money and trying to create, again, individuals who are dependent on the government to take care of them. But if you're wondering... 
Uh, Wisconsin, at least officially, no longer open for business. Um, instead, it's going to be detour signs. It seems to me that we might be about to undertake about a three-and-a-half-year detour during the Evers administration. All right. The Journal Sentinel has a story, and it's written from a, a certain perspective. I just, I guess I had a different take on the perspective that the reporter had, and I wanted to share this, this with you. Here, here's the headline. Fatal Crash puts Milwaukee man on track for deportation to Belarus, where he says he was persecuted for being a Jew. Alexei Rutterman left his native Belarus at age 19, he said, trying to escape the persecution he says he suffered for being a Jew by neo-Nazis and pro-Russian advocates. All right. Under the Lautenberg Amendment, um, a law that makes immigration easier for certain former Soviet Union nationals, he came to the U.S. in 2001. Okay, no, no problem at all. He settled in Milwaukee. He got a job, and he got married. In 2008, while driving a car drunk, he struck and killed a pedestrian. Okay, he's drunk. He kills a pedestrian. He was sentenced to five years in prison. He was released in 2013 and got a job with a transportation company. Let me let that linger for for just a minute. I, I I don't know what he was doing with the transportation company. He got drunk, hit and killed somebody, gets out of jail, and he gets a job with a transportation company. Hopefully not driving. But but I digress. Okay, so he's done five years for killing somebody. His work when his work permit was going to expire. Immigration officials would not adjust his status, and in early 2017, he was arrested and faced deportation. He decides he's going to fight the deportation. An immigration judge and a board of immigration officials said Rutterman, he's now 36, must leave the U.S. because of his prison term. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit recently ordered the board to re-examine the case under a different standard. The immigration judge had determined that Rutterman was inadmissible, couldn't stay, because of the traffic homicide and a prior drunk driving conviction, which amounted to two convictions with at least five years imprisonment. So apparently the, the driving drunk where he killed somebody, there was, there was another drunk driving on his record as well. So they're trying to d- deport him. I don't want to get too far in the weeds with regard to the legal issues surrounding this. So he's ordered deported. They appeal it to the Seventh Circuit. The Seventh Circuit sends it back and 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 say, okay, well, you, you need to be more specific on why you are why he's inadmissible and why you're you know rejecting his, his claim, um, etc. And one of the things is he's got a apparently a, a U.S. citizen wife. And you have to consider how that would uh, affect him. So I, I don't want to, again, get too far into the weeds with regard to, you know, what the legal standard is and, you know, who's applying it and, and, and that. I want to talk about more about the, these basic concepts. Here you have a guy who comes to the U.S. at the age of 19. So he's been in the U.S. for about 17 years. Ten years ago, he is drunk. He hits and kills somebody for which he does five years in prison. His work permit is now expired and they want to deport him. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I don't want to get into the, the legalities and the different standards. I want to talk about broader 
broader views and how immigration things should be. And, and I guess I'm reading the story, and with all due respect to this man, I, I'm not too terribly sympathetic. You come into this country, he wasn't a citizen, never became a citizen. You hit and kill someone You do f- when you're driving drunk. You do five years in prison. I don't have any problem with the U.S. government deporting this guy. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand that there's maybe there's some of these scenarios and people cite them when you're talking about the dreamers who come in, you know, as kids and they have no prior criminal record and now they're getting deported. Okay, that's not this case. And this also isn't the case of somebody who came in illegally. This is a case of somebody who came in legally but killed somebody while driving drunk. Does it strike you as an outrage that now we're considering deporting him? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, it would seem to me that if the law doesn't allow this guy to be deported for this, well, then it's the law that's messed up. We discuss in just a minute. 414-799-1620. Should you be able to be deported for getting drunk and killing somebody after you've served your prison term? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, the Journal Sentinel has a story today. Guy came to this country at the age of 19. He is Jewish. He came in from Russia saying that he was being, he suffered by being a Jew in Russia. He was being persecuted by neo-Nazis and pro, uh, and pro-Russia advocates. Okay? So he comes into this country. He settles in the, the U.S., ends up settling in Milwaukee in 2008. He's drunk. He's driving. He hits and kills somebody. And this was apparently his second drunk driving conviction. And then now an immigration judge, he got out in 2013, did five years in prison for killing the person, got a work permit, been working, but now his work permit has expired and he's subject to deportation. He, he's trying to fight this. And there, there's legal issues. He's saying, well, you got to consider my ex-wife, my wife, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get into into the weeds on the legalities. I want to talk about the basic concept. And at the risk of sounding like the ugly American, I I am not sympathetic to this guy at, at all. You come into this country, you commit a very, very serious crime. There's somebody dead because of what you did. And yes, I think deportation would be extremely appropriate. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, the, 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 the nuances of the law notwithstanding. I'm talking about the general concept. I mean, it, if you can't deport somebody who comes into this country, gets drunk, and kills someone, well, I don't know who you should be able to deport. Let's start with Scott in Wasaki. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Scott. What do you think? You know, I had a real good friend of mine killed three years ago out in Jersey. He was a truck driver. He went parked his truck and went to get a pack of cigarettes at the store, and he came back out to meet his wife at a truck, and a legal Mexican immigrant was drunk, and he hit him, killed him. His leg flew 150 feet across the road. He got five years. Okay. Now, what the hell's wrong with this judge? Well, I mean, I again, I, I mean, thanks to God. Look, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the appropriate penalty would be for something like that, and I don't know all the other facts and circumstances be behind it, and should you get more than five years for doing it? I, I, I don't know. I'll leave that to smarter people to me than me to figure it out. But I will say, you know, the larger point is, you know, if you're, if you're here in this country 
as a guest of this country, whether you're a, you know, a, 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 you're on a green card or whatever, and you commit what I think would be a serious crime, I, I think, yeah, it, it's time for you to, to go. Um, now somebody says he's married to a U.S. citizen, um, and so then he wouldn't be able to be deported. Let's spend the resources more appropriately. I don't know. Tell that to the family of the guy he or gal. I don't know who, whether what the gender of the person he hit and killed was. But I mean, you have somebody that killed somebody while they were driving a car. That I guess maybe I'm old fashioned, but I happen to think that that's a pretty darn big deal. And and yeah, I think that that's the type of thing that as we try to figure out whether it's legal immigration or illegal immigration, who are the type of immigrants that we want into this country? And again, you're you're not a, you're not a citizen. You know, so you're like that non-resident alien. Well, I mean, I think if I was kind of look at a, a bright line, I would start with, I don't know, people who've killed other people in this country. Maybe it's time for, you know, them to end up going back. I mean, that's that's kind of the bottom line. Um, Mike sends me a note. Jeff, not, uh, but, you know, if you want to go to Canada, you know, and you have a felony or misdemeanor charge or an OWI, they're not going to let you in. Apparently, the U.S. lets anybody in. Well, it's not necessarily a question of letting anybody in, but it is a question of apparently letting anybody stay. Now, like I say, the government is trying to deport him. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals has temporarily put that on hold. If you read the article in the paper, it is somewhat sympathetic. That's kind of the approach to this guy. I'm just not sympathetic at all. As a matter of fact, I think the outrage would be if we allow people who come into this country and commit these type of crimes to stay in this country. And my guess is, again, without researching this, but my guess is off the top of my head, there's probably not too many countries in the world where if you went over into that country ended up killing somebody that you would be allowed to stay in that country after you served your prison term. Just saying. It's 149. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. (music) 207, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Sent out a tweet about this earlier. You can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. The People's People's Republic of, of Shorewood. Now, they continue to pollute Lake Michigan because they declined to spend the money to separate their combined sewer system, removing the sanitary sewers from the storm sewers, so they contribute to the pollution of Lake Michigan. But, but all right, so while Shorewood isn't the most environmentally sensitive community around, that doesn't mean that they're not, well, progressive when it comes to another a number of things. And, and here's the story. Shorewood is moving towards, now they haven't done it yet, but my guess is it will happen soon, they are moving towards decriminalizing marijuana possession. Right now, there is a fine in Shorewood if you get caught with possession of marijuana. So, you know, you're walking down the streets, you're smoking dope, or you're sitting at the park and you're smoking dope, um, you can be fined. The penalty is $250, but then what they do with all these sort of things is they add all these surcharges. So it goes up to 376 bucks. A second offense, get caught with pot a second time, the citation is $500, and then that goes up with costs and surcharges, goes up to almost 700 bucks. You get caught a third time. 
because you haven't gotten the message. $750 fine. It ends up costing you over 1000 bucks with all the surcharges. Well, the, the good folks at Shorewood have decided we think that that is, is too harsh. And in Shorewood, about 80% of Shorewood vet residents voted yes to a non-binding Milwaukee County referendum last year asking whether marijuana should be legalized for personal use. Okay, so Shorewood overwhelmingly says, you know, we, we want to legalize pot. Well, the people in Shorewood can't legalize pot on their own. But what they can do is they can decriminalize marijuana to make the penalties almost nothing. And that is what they are proposing doing. The proposal is to reduce the fine for marijuana possession from 250 bucks. And now we're, we're talking about personal use quantities of marijuana. We're not talking about distribution, but personal use quantities of marijuana. Guy sitting at the bus stop smoking dope. All right, right now it's a $250 fine. They would reduce that to a dollar. A dollar. So by the time you add the surcharges in, it would cost you like 58 bucks if you got sp- caught smoking marijuana. That's with all the surcharges. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, Shorewood can't legalize pot. They don't have the ability to do that. But they can reduce the penalties for personal use quantities or smoking pot in public or whatever, they can reduce the penalty so much as to essentially become non-existent. So even though it's not technically legal, for all intents and purposes, the penalty is so, so, so minor that it becomes legal. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is it a good idea for a particular community to do something like this when other, for example, surrounding communities haven't done this. So even if you support the idea of, well, I think marijuana should be legalized and I like the idea of decriminalizing it, do you want to turn your community into essentially a magnet where you know people would be attracted to come to, again, in this case, smoke pot because... There, there's no penalties for all intents and purposes. Nothing's going to happen to you. Is that the type of thing that's good for the business community? Is that the type of thing that's good for the community in general? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Decriminalization of marijuana by individual communities. Is this the way to go? And should one community... Take it upon themselves to do this. Eau Claire has done it. Shorewood is now moving towards this. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Regardless about how you feel about legalization of marijuana, I think one particular community decriminalizing it while the surrounding communities don't, I don't think that's good public policy at all. But would you like to see this happen? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 12-12-213. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two fifteen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, John and Jackson says, Jeff, what I don't understand is if they decriminalize pot, what about the local sheriff's department in the state? It's still illegal according to the state and the sheriff. Yes, that's true. So if you had 
somebody from the State Division of Criminal Investigation. They could conduct an investigation. They could arrest people for possession of, of marijuana. Um, similarly, same thing would be true with the Sheriff's Department, if the Sheriff's Department would be interested. But as far as Shorewood, the Shorewood police, they will not be referring, and they, they don't do this now. In the last three years, this is what the Journal Sentinel story says, Shorewood police have issued more than 300 possession of marijuana citations. Only three of those cases were sent to the DA's office, and that's because those three cases involved charges in addition to marijuana possession. My guess is guns or something like that. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What about decriminalizing in an individual community. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, I'm, I'm just taking back to the days of the 70s and 80s where you had beer bars, you know, for people could drink beer, you know, uh, right. in Hartford, at, like Murdy Zipco's. So kids from Milwaukee would drive out there because they're 18, but they can't drink beer here, but they went out there. Well, that's the question. I mean, do you, but if you're, if you're essentially a, a, Pot smoking island, and you say, "Look, we you know we're because we're we're progressive, and because we think marijuana should be legalized, whether it is or not." Do you make yourself a magnet for particularly young people, you know, who decide, okay, well, we're we're going to go hang out in Shorewood, and we're going to go hang out in the park, and we're going to be smoking pot in the parks or things like that because we know there won't be consequences. And is 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 that a good thing? I mean, is that hey, potheads of southeastern Wisconsin come to Shorewood, nothing's going to happen to you. I think mean, it's a bad thing. Okay, thanks for calling. See that that to me is is the issue. See, there's two discussions that that you have. One is, in my opinion, the overall conversation about is it in the interest of the state to legalize marijuana to do it all across the board. The other question is, you know, should you be? Is it a good public policy matter to be decriminalizing from community to community? One of the reasons. And it's to the point, maybe the larger point that Mike was just making. Remember, we have a 21-year-old, each state, all 50 states, have a 21-year-old drinking age. It is, it's state-controlled. Um, but the federal government says, unless you have a 21-year-old drinking age, you don't get federal highway funds. So that they force the states effectively, they legally blackmail them into having a 21-year-old drinking age. The, I mean, I remember when I was 18, the legal drinking age in Wisconsin was 18. You had surrounding states where it was 19, where it was 21, etc. And to Mike's point, what you would have is you would have people who lived close to the borders piling in cars and then driving. And again, okay, I, I can't drink in my state, but I'm going to go, I'm going to drive, and I'm going to drink in the neighboring state, and then I'm going to come back. It was It was a bad policy, this patchwork of laws. You know, is would it be the same thing with marijuana? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Jim and Madison. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Good. What do you think? Uh, I'm, I sit on a public safety committee for a suburb in Madison, and we just went through this issue, and we lowered our possession fine. I think it was about in the eighty dollar range down to basically nothing. Right, a buck. That's what uh, Shorewood's looking at—a dollar. You know. Yeah, and and we we even looked at a dollar, but then to process that dollar ticket was going to cost sixty eight dollars. With them, you know, to process right. and take it through the city. Uh, the other thing is, is that if the, the, the fine itself was a civil forfeiture, right? If the person decides they want to fight that, it goes into Dane County Criminal Court, and the Dane County judges have said they will not pros- uh, prosecute anything on simple possession from I think it's two ounces or under. Don't bring them to our courts, they said. Right. 
Now, the other option that a police officer has, however, is if you're being a real jerk about it and they want to, you're not going to give up the marijuana or put out the joint or whatever, then there's still that option to charge them under the state statute. My understanding is well, right. So well, that, I mean, yeah, you, right. You could always charge them with a crime. Now, in Shorewood, I think they say their policy is unless it's unless it's more than a couple ounces. I have to look to be sure they're not going to they're not going to refer them over. Are you concerned yeah. at all, Jim? That let me ask you first of all: that your community is it is the is its decriminalization policy similar to what like the other communities are in Dane County? Virtually every yeah. single one is this way now. Yeah. So yeah, so there's nothing. There's no island that is right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. It, it's yeah. That, that was kind of how my guess would be in in Dane County. Do you yeah. think and you? Then, again, I might add this: the police, even the police department, said we don't run into simple possession charges. It just doesn't happen. They said what we need teeth on and what we got real issues with is the heroin overdoses and the heroin problem in Madison. Right. In and, uh, yeah. Well, in Shorewood, they cars and, you know. right. Well, in Shorewood, I mean, what they say is that they, I mean, they they issued three hundred possession citations in the last. 300, I think that's what they say, 300 in the last um, couple years, but only three of those were sent to the DA's office. Most were treated as fines. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Look, and, and I, I guess here, here's the, this is the bigger point. I, I think doing this on a community-by-community basis is not the way to approach the, this problem. To me, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't make sense. To me, we have to grapple with the underlying question, which is, do we want a state, do we want a community where, you know, people are freely smoking pot? You know, and I, and, you know, that's, that's the larger issue. Now, I understand you look at all these referendums and sure what 80% said, yeah, let, let's, let's legalize it. Th- that's the social issue that I think we, we face. To do it on a community by community basis. And I appreciate what Jim was talking about, that the whole idea of if it, if, if you give somebody a ticket, it costs fifty-eight dollars to process, or sixty bucks, or whatever. That's why you have to have the different, you know, surcharges. I think you need to do this though on a consistent basis. I, I think making making some place an island in Milwaukee County where here, you know, if you're you're a teenager and you want to smoke dope, here go go to Shorewood, smoke dope. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. To me, that doesn't make any sense. To me, we have to either decide is this bad, should it be illegal, or have we become more woke in 2019 and we really don't care about people smoking pot? Let's talk to Jason on the north side. Hi, Jason. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Thanks for taking my call. What do you think? I, I think it's a slippery slope when you start having single communities, but I think there's a bigger issue. Where is our federal politicians listening to these voters? When you have 70 to 80% in favor of something and they have it as a Schedule One narcotic, mm-hmm. worse than cocaine? Well, how, how does that happen? Yeah, well, the, how does that happen? Right. Well, th- well, the, the, the penalties. Yeah, it's scheduled. The, the penalties in cocaine schedule two, marijuana schedule one, but the penalties are 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 much different for these things. But but the larger point is, I, I do think you need a consistent sort of policy because right now the marijuana laws are are a mess. 
even if you go to you know states where marijuana is legal, marijuana is still against the law. For example, if you're distributing, it's still against federal law. And there's a number of employers who have policies that say, okay, if you engage in activity that's in violation of the law, and you know marijuana would be in violation of federal law, and in Wisconsin it's in violation of state law, you know you you are subject to all sorts of discipline. I just think you have to make a consistent policy for how you deal with this one way or the other. I again, I, I understand that you might disagree with me on this. I see medical marijuana and recreational marijuana as being different things. I understand that I am swimming upstream when it comes to this. I guess even if you accept the premise that marijuana use is no worse than alcohol, I guess I don't understand why you'd end up in a situation where you would be encouraging that that use. But that's just me. It's 224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Get back music, Smuggler's Blues, the perfectly appropriate topic for discussing decriminalization of marijuana. This week's Spring Into Your Home Showcase is sponsored by Adair Floors and Remodeling. Get personal care by Adair. You know, this is, uh, it's a, I don't know that I can remember a year where basketball has been as successful in Wisconsin as this one. You've got the Milwaukee Bucks that have the best record in the NBA so far. And, I mean, I don't know if anybody's saying they're a favorite to win the NBA title, but they certainly are a favorite to be a contender for the NBA title. And I would argue that they're certainly one of the, even if you don't believe they're the best team in the league, they're one of the best four or five teams in the league, and that's fun. You have uh, my Marquette Warriors, Golden Eagles, whatever, my Marquette Batman's basketball team. You know, they've got 20 wins. They're 20 and four. They're in second place in the Big East. They're on track to get a, a pretty high seed in the NCAA tournament. You've got the Wisconsin men's basketball team that's kind of turned it around. They're on track to go to the NCAA tournament as well. It, it's just, it's a great time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. And you've got, you know, Brewer season, this pitchers and catchers would report in a day or so. And spring training games right around the corner. Well, I just wanted to mention that there, there is an interesting aspect of, of basketball, and that is a couple of years ago, both Marquette and Wisconsin each had a superstar player. They just, both of them, just completely and totally kicked butt in Wisconsin high school basketball. You had um, Henry Ellenson, who went to the Marquette basketball team, played one year, left for the NBA. You had Diamond Stone, who played four years um, for Dominican, was just absolutely dominant. He was going to go to Wisconsin and at the last minute kind of pulled out and ended up going to Maryland. Each of them only played a year in college. And it was interesting because I remember watching Henry Ellenson play when he was playing for Marquette. And the guy was clearly a star, but he he wasn't necessarily a superstar in his one year at Marquette. I thought he was getting pushed around a lot. I thought he would have benefited a lot if he had stayed in school, but he didn't want to stay in school. He wanted to take the money, so he went into the draft, got drafted number 18 by the Detroit Pistons, and He's been hanging around the Detroit Pistons, hasn't played very much, and they cut him yesterday. So, you know, Ellenson, free agent, maybe somebody will pick him up, but 
um, his pro basketball career in the NBA hasn't worked out very well. Diamond Stone, who again was on track to go to Wisconsin, ended up going to Maryland, but was probably the dominant basketball player in Wisconsin at Dominican for four years in a row. He gets drafted. Um, he went in the second round. New Orleans picked him up, then traded him to Los Angeles. He's only played a handful of games in the NBA, and now he's in their developmental league, and this is after like four years. It does go to show that some of the these ball players who decide that, well, I'm really, really good, and I don't need to develop my game in college, and I can just go right to the NBA. Well, there's some of those players that that works out for, but I think for a lot of them, and both Diamond Stone and Henry Ellenson are examples of that, you know, if they would have stayed in college for another couple years, gotten a little bit bigger, gotten a little bit more experience, all right, would they have foregone money for a year or two? Yeah, but maybe they'd still have a realistic pro career, and it seems like neither one of them does. So if you're wondering what happened to the the big the big basketball players from Wisconsin from four years ago, both of them are now out of the NBA, or at least on the outside looking in. Two thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, whose fault is this? Now, I want you to think about an area around here. Group, play this game with me. Picture the area around Miller Park, which is where you know, County Stadium used to be. Now, there's various ways to get into Miller Park. One of the ways you can get into Miller Park is via Mitchell Boulevard, which would be... You kind of go just slightly to the west of Miller Park. You get off the freeway there. You get up. So let's say you're going westbound for the sake of argument on the freeway. You get off Mitchell Park Boulevard. You come down to stop signs. Then you take a left turn and you go down into the Miller Park area. If you can picture that, there are two bridges that take traffic on the freeway going over Mitchell Boulevard. All right, so there's there's two bridges. These bridges have been there for sixty plus years to carry the the traffic. When the bridges were originally constructed, they were built at a height of twelve feet two inches. All right, that's that's the height. Many 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 semis nowadays are are thirteen feet two inches. So many, many semis are, what does that mean? They're too big to fit under the bridge. All right, over the last couple years, the bridge has been struck 17 times by trucks where the truck driver has not realized that he or she doesn't have enough clearance to go under the bridge. You might remember one of the more high-profile incidents was about a month ago where a, um, a, a semi full of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer ended up getting stuck um, on, on the bridge. I mean, it turns out it went under the bridge, and then the guy kept going, and it just got completely and totally wedged in. And it took them hours to get this whole thing cleared out because, again, they, they drove through this. This happens, like I say, it's happened on a number of occasions because the the bridge isn't big enough. Um, They have signs all over 
which say, okay, this is what the clearance is. It's 12 feet, 2 inches. They have up to eight signs each way. And still you have truck drivers that that drive under this and end up getting stuck. Well, every time the bridge gets hit, it's been hit 17 times in the last few years, the folks from the State Department of Transportation have to come out and they have to certify that the bridge is still safe. So the bridge is still safe. But this continues to happen over and over again. A number of people are saying, well, what we need to do is we need to raise the the bridge. Now, the DOT is reluctant to do this right now because if we ever get around to widening I-94 westbound between the Marquette Interchange and the zoo, well, this bridge will be redone. But right now, it's perfectly structurally fine. It's just low. And it's not a problem for cars, but it is a problem for, for trucks. Um, you've got a number of people, though, who are saying, well, it, it keeps getting hit. This means that it is a problem that's out there, and we should do something about it. And, and maybe that means tearing down this bridge and rebuilding the bridge, raising it up, even if that means that, well, maybe we'll have to tear the whole thing down and redo it all if we finally decide to go ahead with widening the freeway. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I was actually watching a TV story about this on one of the local TV channels, and there were a number of people who were saying, well, you know, this is a problem because these trucks just keep hitting this, so, you know, we, we have to end up doing something to stop it. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do I agree that it's a problem that these trucks keep hitting this? Yes, I do. Do I agree that if you built this bridge today, you you wouldn't build it, you'd build it a foot taller at least? Yes, I, I do. But at this point in time, it seems to me to make absolutely no sense to talk about rebuilding this particular bridge. The problem is that you've got people that are driving the trucks that just aren't aren't attentive enough. And they're the ones that need to start paying attention. When you see signs that say there's a 12 foot, two inch clearance. Well, if your truck is too big for that, that means you got to go another route. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, look, I, I understand if you redo that whole stretch of freeway and you take out that bridge, you build it to modern standards. I, I get it. But the bridge has been there for 60 years how do you change it? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is, and I know I have a lot of people who listen or driving around or trucks, that this is, this is exclusively their problem. There's all sorts of areas where, again, if you're driving a truck, you, you gotta know what the height of bridges are. You've gotta know what the width of certain roadways are. And maybe that means you have to take alternate routes. But to me, I, I, again, Unless you're doing this as part of an overall freeway overhaul, the bridge has been there for 60 years. It's 12 feet, 2 inches tall. If you are driving a vehicle that's too big for that, you got to go another way. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Brian in Heartland. Hi, Brian. Good afternoon. How are you today? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, do we, do we tear down the bridge and spend millions of dollars building a larger one? No. Okay. Part of the problem, I'm an insurance adjuster. I've been out there numerous times unloading trucks. Oh, after, after the truck has gotten stuck under the bridge. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. And it's fun, 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> A lot of it, you know, there's there's radar, at least the eastbound, that will 
light up signs that says you can't go right or left. Right, but yes. a lot of times you have out-of-town drivers relying on GPS and not paying attention to their surroundings. Yeah. Right, because I mean, there, there's a bunch of signs. I mean, they, they've they've got signage all over saying, "Okay, this is a low bridge. It's twelve point two. You know, it's twelve feet two inches." And I would assume that that professional truck drivers know how tall their rig is. Definitely, I was there one night when the whip antennas from a tow truck sent the radar off for the sign on the other end of the ramp, saying, "You can't go right or left. You have to go straight." Okay. Got it. There's protection there. Well, well, yeah, right, right, exactly. No, thanks for the call. Right there, there's they're, they're trying to discourage people from doing this. And again, it you see every once in a while you have these situations. There was a guy that there was a truck that made a wrong turn, and maybe they were following GPS. Remember, they got stuck on some narrow bridge in Lake Park that trucks couldn't go on. And and, and you you just have to pay attention to this. And I agree. That in a perfect world, if you're rebuilding that stretch, you rebuild it to modern things. But th- there's all sorts of times you'll be driving in places and you'll come up to like single lane bridges. You will come up to stuff that has been built and is still structurally sound that you're not going to tear down, even though it might make it difficult for modern vehicles to be there. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey Jeff. Hi Dave. Um, first time long. First time long time. Love the show. Thank you. Um, hey, why don't we just lower the road a couple feet? The do I, well uh, the dot believe it or not says it's more expensive to lower the road than it is to rebuild the bridge. <laughs> I, I I mean I I know you know I've now exhausted my knowledge of construction right there. But that that was one that they say it's completely impractical to and extremely expensive to try to lower the road. You you'd be cheaper to just rebuild the bridge. That's what they say. Wow. Yeah, I no, think so, but yeah, no. Th- right. Thanks for calling again. I, I, that's that's to answer your question. I don't, and like I say, I've, I've just completely and totally exhausted my my knowledge of construction. But if I mean, I guess I kind of understand what they're saying. It's if you can picture this area, it's it's a slope downhill. You're already going down. I, I don't know exactly how you would, as a practical matter, do it. But the DOT, when presented with that option, says that that's really. They, they say from a construction perspective, it's just not an option in that area um, because of expense and otherwise. And I guess I, I take their word on it. But again, I go back to the I go back to the main point is to me this is an example where the truck drivers, Lord love them, you know, just just have to pay more attention. And if you've got seventeen people that have banged into the bridge in the last couple of years, that tells me there's some people who you know aren't paying attention. John and Eagle. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. What do you think? Well, I think think, uh, they ought to put like a warning bar ahead of the bridge, maybe a couple of them, you know, a couple of hundred yards uh, apart that are, you know, the same height as the bridge or, you know, an inch lower so they could hit that thing and, you know, break away so that they don't have to pay to get the bridge repaired and recertified. And then... So they get so somebody gets the idea before you go under this that you're not going to fit, <laughs> essentially. Absolutely, yeah. Because you can wish that they pay more attention all you want, but seventeen times shows you that that's not happening. Right, and and eight signs one way or the other. No, thanks. I guess one of the things, and again, I'm I'm not a long haul trucker. One of the things I don't understand about this is, well, okay, if you're backing up your car, let let's say. 
you're really close to the side of your house. As, as you back out of your, as you back out of your garage, you know the the, the garage kind of comes in, so you get the siding of the house. If you're if you're too close to that siding, or you're going on an angle, and you you hear this like screech, you know, telling you that you've like scratching something in the back portion of your car. What do most people do? Don't they? Don't you just kind of stop and then pull forward? Or do you just keep going back and back and back, you know, so you scratch your entire car? Well, I would argue that, that most people just kind of stop and go, Dear, darn, I banged into the side of that. And I guess part of that strikes me. I don't understand how some of these trucks get so stuck under these bridges. I was looking in anticipation of the show. I was looking at some of these br- trucks. I mean, because even if you don't, I appreciate what he was saying about having the warning bar, but okay, you, you go in and pretty soon it's very apparent that your your roof is scraping the bridge. So at that point in time, I would think that you would try to pull out instead of trying to floor it and go further in. And yet most of these trucks appear to try to, all right, I'm going to try to go further in. I, again, it's, I, I appreciate that it's it's an antiquated bridge, and I appreciate it's an ongoing issue. But to me, that the message isn't, and maybe, maybe you can put up more signs, and maybe you can put up flashing lights. Like I say, they've already got eight signs. Maybe the answer is to put up flashing lights saying, it's 12 feet, 2 inches tall, we mean it, <laughs> or something like that. Don't try to drive under this if the truck is too big. Maybe you even decide if it gets keeps going on, maybe you just decide like no trucks allowed here because of of the problem, you know, only, you know, only passenger vehicles. I don't know. But for people who are suggesting let's tear down the bridge because of this. Yeah, let, let's tear down the bridge when we redo that that whole east-west part of the of the freeway. Then it makes sense. But just to tear it down right now because you have truck drivers who can't figure out that 12 uh, feet 2 inches um, that a 13 foot 2 inch uh, semi doesn't fit under a 12.2 foot bridge well okay at, at some point in time there's nothing you can do 248 Jeff Wagner WTMJ It's 2.50, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm glad the Packers were not this desperate. Uh, The Cleveland Browns, who are run by a guy named John Dorsey, who was with the Packers for a while. The Cleveland Browns yesterday signed uh, running back Kareem Hunt. Dorsey had actually drafted Hunt when Hunt for Kansas City, when Dorsey was with Kansas City, had a, a great year, great year, very talented guy. He's also a brutal thug. Last February, he was caught on videotape uh, punching and pushing a, a girl in a Cleveland uh, in the lobby of a Cleveland hotel. He then lied about it to Kansas City. He was a Kansas City player at the time, and Kansas City just said, "Well, okay, we, we've decided that we just don't want people who assault women." And and it's all on videotape. I actually I rewatched the video this morning. We, Kansas City decided we just don't want people who beat up women and who treat women like this, we don't want them on our our team, and who lie about it. So he's been out of football for a while. Cleveland has decided that they don't care that he's a woman beater, and they've decided we're going to, we'll sign him, and they have now signed him. Now, now that he's been signed, he automatically goes on the suspended list because the NFL has to decide if they're going to reinstate him. But it is interesting because this is generating a lot of controversy, and 
in general, and I want to give credit to the folks in Cleveland, in general, they are not thrilled with this. The, the general sentiment is this guy might be an incredible football talent. Uh, that's fine. But he's also just an awful human being, and he is a woman beater, and we don't want anything to do with that. Now, of course, in the NFL, at least on some teams, particularly Cleveland, I guess, doesn't matter. They don't care about character, and it doesn't matter what the guy does or doesn't do. If they think he can score touchdowns, they'll take him. My guess is that's going to be a very, very short-sighted sort of attitude. But at least for the time being... Um, once he is reinstated, Kareem Hunt will be a member of the Cleveland Browns. There were some people suggesting that that John Dorsey, the guy who's the general manager of Cleveland Browns, if things would have worked out differently, he would have come back and been the general manager for the Packers. All I have to say is if this is the type of player that he wants to bring in for his team, I'm glad he has nothing to do with the Green Bay Packers. That's the last thing in the world that the Packers need. All right. Scott Warris is in for John McCure today. We'll find out what he and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News in just a moment. Stick around. 253 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.